Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. We want to talk about the divisions that there have uh, that have come about, not only because of COVID, but I would say in recent years, maybe the last five or six years, uh, many countries have become more polarized as, as nationalist and nativist movements have mm. taken hold. Of course, uh, U.S., uh, Argentina, the UK. UK, I mean, all over. All Hungary, over. Yeah. yeah. The and list is long. The growing. list is long. Let's welcome Nathan Bami, the USA Today reporter, author of Bridge Builders, Bringing People Together in a Polarized Age. Nathan, welcome from the East Coast of the U.S. to Singapore. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's great to have you with us today. And uh, I saw you just a week ago on, um, on a webinar, on a, a conference, and you were talking about this book. And I thought, we have got to get you on the show because this topic is something not just appropriate to the U.S., but really globally. And tell us your kind of overview on this polarization that we are all facing around the world today. Well, I think we are immersed in what I would call toxic polarization, and it's not really defined as disagreement on the issues. I mean, there are certainly are disagreement, there is disagreement on the issues in whatever country you are, certainly in, in the United States, but it goes far beyond that. This is what you know political scientists call affective or affective with an A polarization in the sense that you don't just uh, disagree with somebody, you actually despise them. You mm. view them as, uh, you know, a, as a bad person. And, and, you know, this leads to studies that show that, you know, in the U.S., Democrats view Republicans as hateful and bigoted. And then Republicans view Democrats as spiteful. And, you know, it, it just goes back and forth. And this uh, crisis of tribalism that we find ourselves in throughout the globe, like you said, uh, leads us to further uh, proliferation of misinformation and the inability to cooperate, which in a democracy, is, I mean, the only way you can progress together. Yeah, yeah, Nathan, you're absolutely spot on. It's an issue that we're increasingly seeing in Singapore, particularly on social media, this idea of silos, you know, two silos screaming but not listening to each other is a universal phenomenon, as you mentioned. I'm interested in your personal story. You mentioned that working for USA Today, you were seeing firsthand, you were witnessing firsthand these polarised people's groups argue. What, what were you seeing? that inspired you to write the book? Yeah, I think you can't be a journalist in today's society without encountering, for example, the hate and division that's directed at journalists. I mean, certainly in the United States and with President Trump, you know, constantly spewing accusations of, of fake news, you know, false accusations at journalists like myself, that has stirred up you know, even among people I know, even among friends, people who I, you know, would consider to be friends who suddenly turn against, uh, you know, the, the core of what I do, which is, and understanding that, you know, I'm 37 years old. My, my career in journalism started when I was 17 at a little small local newspaper, you know, covering township board of trustees meetings and writing about zoning you know, debates and public <laughs> safety funding and these very basic little things. And, under, and, and I, I, you know, got to see journalism at a really small scale and know that it is yeah. about source validation, relationships, tr developing trusted relationships and believing that the facts actually do matter. But to see us develop into a place in which, you know what, the facts don't matter for a lot of people mm. caused me to feel like I need to write a book that says, if 
if the if it's the facts aren't are critical to so many people on on all sides of the issues in some cases, you know, I I have to say, well, then how do we deliver facts in a way that they can matter? And then to go far beyond that and to say. What are other ways that we can start to bring people together despite their differences? This is such a departure for you. Your, you know, your career has been as, as very much as a business journalist. You're an award-winning business yeah. reporter. Uh, you, you authored Detroit Resurrected, uh, talking about the bankruptcy of the city of Detroit and, and others. This is, seems like a softer kind of diff, very different yeah. topic for a hard-nosed business news reporter. Yeah. How did you come to make that? that yeah. uh, that bridge that leap well after the 2016 election in the united states i wrote a book on misinformation which really grew out of my just passion for journalism and this you know belief that the facts should matter and after writing that book on misinformation it was called after the fact i walked away with this very deep belief that we are in we that i'm not sure we can get out of this toxic polarization and so i i ended up sort of i don't I'll use the word depressed, not in a clinical sense, but just to say you can't really spend a couple of years immersed in that, you know, a study of that sort of crisis without saying, I, I got to do something. I've got to go meet people who mm. aren't accepting the status quo. Yeah. And so that's what I did. I went throughout the country and met people who are trying to bring people together despite their differences, whether it's politics, race, religion, class, or culture, because we need to learn from them if we're going to move forward together. Well, that brings in nicely the title of your book, Bridge Builders, Bringing People Together in a Polarized Age. What kinds of people did you meet and what were some of the uplifting or less uplifting experiences that you had? Well, I, I set out uh, very intentionally to meet a very broad cross-section of people, uh, wanted to, to hear from diverse voices, people on the left, people on the right, people in the center, and people who really don't even exist on that political spectrum to understand in the, in the different ways and different walks of life that they are in, how they are working on bringing people together. And my, my hypothesis going in was that despite wherever they work, whether it's nonprofits or journalism or business or politics or education, that they would have a lot of similarities. And that's definitely what I found. It's, it's such an interesting concept, this idea that uh, people who are working in this space are trying to act or not accepting that status quo may actually be very similar. And they actually may be, there may be a lot of bridges being built among them, I suppose you hmm. could say, but it's, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to meet that diverse, a lot of diverse folks. So I went to Charlottesville, Virginia to meet with interfaith clergy who are dealing with the aftermath of the, you know, the white supremacy and the nationalism uh, incident and violence that happened in 2017. You know, I went to Detroit to talk to people who uh, dealt with the aftermath of the bankruptcy, which you mentioned I wrote about before throughout the country to talk to people who um who simply aren't accepting that status quo and how did you feel at the end of it were you more uplifted did you come away with a greater sense of positivity well i think it's a really good question I, and I, i'm very uh intent to say I, i'm not necessarily saying i'm optimistic and i, I want to be clear you know because i don't want to be pollyannish about this to say I, I think we are truly this is the crisis of our time you know mm. to and if we don't address it, then we, you know, I, I'm not sure what could happen. Uh, but what I would say is I am optimistic that a, there is a path to getting better, you know, and, and that's what I discovered here is the path to bringing people together exists. It's there if we want to pursue it. And I do believe that most people want to pursue it, at least in America. You look at studies in America, and I think it's probably the same throughout the globe. 
there's, they say 67% of Americans exist in what's called this exhausted majority, where basically they're just sick of the fighting, you know, and they may disagree on some of the issues, but they want people to work together. And, and so oftentimes we in the media tend to end up highlighting the extremes. And that's one of the reasons I wrote this book, too, to say, what can I as a journalist do to contribute to this conversation? Talking with Nathan Balmy, the uh, USA Today business reporter and the author of Bridge Builders, Bringing People Together in a Polarized Age, just came out. Uh, last month. And, and that brings up my question, which is uh, both Neil and I are career journalists, and we we have taken part in, in some ways, uh, focusing on the negative elements of what's been happening around the world uh, sure. in a variety of issues, right? Not just uh, the polarization issue. Uh, but as journalists, of course, we try to present balance and we try to do the right thing. But when people are you know, looking at the media, they would definitely get a sense that the world is on a massive downward spiral. I'll just put it like that on a variety of issues. When in fact, if you go into individual communities, you know, in, in Europe, in, in Asia, in North America, there, you know, most people are trying to do the right thing. Most people are trying to get along with their neighbors and help their neighbors. Uh, and I know that's a sweeping generalization, but my question to you, how much responsibility should or does the media take for, you know, if it if it bleeds, it leads kind of uh, mindset when it comes to reporting the news? Yeah, I, I think that journalism has a real responsibility here. You know, we have historically focused on conflict right. and really in conflict and conflict, you know, and I think and it's understandable. We're always going to do that. We're not going to stop covering conflict. That's news. But I think the way in which we cover it is is essential. And, I, and I, what you see is a real thirst out there for people to for journalists to cover not just conflict but solutions and because we know we have conflict people understand that there are problems and they understand that journalists are going to cover that but they also don't want to cover conflict for the sake of that sort of sensational quality that often feels like it's the the, the essence of the story the question is how can we actually focus on a way to move things forward. For example, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, which is in uh, Wisconsin, which is owned by my company, so full disclosure, but they stopped doing um, a lot of their hot take journalism, a lot of their opinions and op-ed mm. pieces they actually moved away from. They started to do more uh, journalism on solutions, uh, and basically they found huge uptick in traffic. People responded, probably because, you know what? We've got plenty of opinions. <laughs> we don't need more of that. No. We need more solutions. Yeah. Well, that is an interesting point. And to build on what from what Glenn was saying, the way that news is disseminated, I mm. think, is very important. To use the American example, of course, you've got, you've got the Fox News on one side, you've got CNN and maybe CNBC and other news sources on the other. So even though I agree with both of you guys that I do... Th- happen to be on the side of positivity when there I do feel there is a healthy majority of people who do want to do the right thing. Mm. But if those said people then switch on to Fox News for one interpretation or CNN for another interpretation, does it become harder for them to somehow meet in the middle? Yeah, without a doubt. And I think that, you know, that's it's inescapable that we find ourselves in in this hyper-partisan media environment, particularly supercharged by social media, that is, you know, again, probably going to always be with us. And so how do we deal with that? How do we live to, to how do we learn to live with it is key. But you used a phrase that I want to address, which is, you know, meeting in the middle. And I find it really interesting. I actually got the chance to talk to real-life bridge builders for this book, contractors, engineers, architects, people who actually build bridges. And they said, you know what? We oftentimes don't actually meet in the middle when you build the bridge. Sometimes <laughs> you meet the bridge, you build it from one side of the of the ravine yeah. to the other. Mm. And I found that to be so interesting to say, you know what? 
there's this um, Maren Morris song where she says, baby, why don't we just meet me? Why don't you just meet me in the middle? And right. it's like, actually, with apologies to Maren Morris, sometimes one side is right and the other side is wrong. Or maybe 99% right and 1% wrong. You yeah, know, I mean, yeah. like when I'm arguing with my wife, I'm 100% right, right? Uh, <laughs> but, absolutely. But aside from that, uh, <laughs> there might be some middle ground. It doesn't mean we meet in the middle, that's, but that's, there, there's always middle ground. I have to say, Nathan, that you're 100% right until you finally realize the error of your ways when you realize you were 100% wrong, right? Which I am frequently. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who's married doesn't need any further explanation on that. But um, leave us with something positive that we can all do to be a bridge builder. What? How can we? In in addition to reading your book and getting all the tips there, but what what can all of us do to start? uh, Maybe not meeting in the middle, but finding some common ground if we are in a conflict situation. I think one small basic thing is to try to get to know someone who's not like you, whether they look differently, think differently, pray differently. Because I found that the common thread between the bridge builders I meant for this book is that they believe that forming relationships between people who aren't like each other is the fundamental way that we can begin to overcome our divides. doesn't mean that we're doing cultural assimilation or anything like that. It means that we're going to learn to respect our differences and respect our shared humanity. Um, and I'd, I'd also leave you with this thought. Listen, bridges are transformational you know they, they and they can they're in, in our infrastructure and in our more metaphorical sense in the sense that bridges transform societies you know you can't you can't uh, change the world from an island you have to build a bridge listen bridges are are architectural wonders people go visit bridges they take trips to them they depict them in art why because they are transformational. And I think we have to understand that, listen, you can sit in, on your island all you want and believe that and, and sort of spew your takes and believe what you believe, and that's fine. But you're not going to make any change unless you reach, reach out to the other side. Awesome. Nathan, thank you so much. The book is Bridge Builders, Bringing People Together in a Polarized Age. The author, Nathan Balmy, the USA Today reporter. Appreciate your time today. We certainly hope we can have you back on the show again in the future. Yeah. We'd love to do it. Love to do it. And hey, maybe in, even in Singapore one day. Let's hope that day comes very soon, my friend. Thanks All so right. much. Thank you. <laughs> to listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.